You're listening to the Grace Covenant Statesville audio podcast. So how, how many of you are NFL fans? So middle school, high school kids, if you want to go ahead and go, go into... So, so those of you who are NFL fans, how many of you have been following this whole thing with Antonio Brown? Um, I mean, it's just... Okay, so those, most of you aren't. So let me, let me give you a little, little setup here. Antonio Brown is a wide receiver. Um, and he, for the last few years, he's played for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, his job is to run down the field really fast and catch the football and run in for touchdowns. He does it better than almost any other person in, in the entire National Football League. He's one of the best players in, in the National Football League. Um, but uh, he's... Uh, last year, he started this thing... Let me, let, me, let me... How do I want to set this up here? Okay. So he's really good. Oh, that's what it is. In, in addition to being incredibly talented, he's also terribly immature. And so what has happened here in the last uh, few months is he's um, shared things publicly. And so he embarrasses teammates, coaches, and he puts it on Twitter or Instagram, and he does things so that the entire world can know that of you know, what he's thinking and feeling to the point where Pittsburgh finally said, we're done with you, and they traded him to Oakland. They said, we don't want to deal with you anymore. Oakland, because of his talent, again, he's an amazing talent, said, all right, we can do better. We think we can handle him. So they, they, they signed him in March. They made the trade this past March. And over the last few months, just, just incident after incident of him just really being immature, just not deciding not to show up for a walkthrough practice or not being able to... So then the, the team actually fined him for his behavior. He put the picture of that letter of the fine on Instagram, telling the world, here's how they're treating me. The Raiders, yesterday, after, yesterday morning, before he'd ever played it down, they gave up two draft choices, signed him, oh yeah, they signed him to a $50 million contract. Before they ever paid him a dime, before he ever played it down, they released him yesterday morning and said, You're done. we're done with you. Go somewhere else and we don't want anything more to do with you. We know all this because he keeps posting things on Instagram and Twitter. And so he continues to do this time and time again. Now, he's an incredibly talented player. And that's why he's been around as long as he has. Again, he's better than probably most or anybody. But he comes across as an incredibly selfish person and very immature. And he is a terrible teammate. He really is. He thinks about himself and not the others that are on his team. So whereas some people like Antonio Brown and others might say that the way to greatness is to kind of force your way to the top. You know, it's all about me and and I'm going to get concerned about myself. What Jesus showed us consistently in Scripture is that the way to greatness is actually through this pathway of service. Servanthood is the overwhelming theme in the life and ministry of Jesus. And picked up by Paul in all of his letters. Paul talks about this constantly, this idea of service. And that brings us actually to the passage of Scripture I want us to read here this morning um, that's in 1 Corinthians. But let me give you a little context uh, before we read the passage here. So the, the, the passage, again, is 1 Corinthians. We're reading in chapter 12. Uh, but Corinth, Corinthians is written to a group of people, the church, the Christian Christ followers in the city of Corinth. And uh, Corinth at that time was part of Greece, and um, it was a commercial trade center. 
So a lot of traffic, a lot of people from other cultures were going through there, and it had a really, really, really big reputation for immorality. Um, and that wasn't just from the biblical, the, the Christians. The, in the culture itself, there was, that was a reputation. Corinth was kind of like the Las Vegas of the day. You know, that was Sin City, if, you, if they want to refer to that. In Acts, we, re- we read that Paul went on three different missionary journeys. There were on three different times. He visited Corinth on his second one. So his second time out, he actually stopped and spent his time in the city of Corinth. And actually, Acts tells us he stayed there for a year and a half. So one of the longer visits, usually Paul didn't stay too long in any one place. He spent probably more time in Corinth than just about any other place. <clears throat> so... Um, What's interesting is 1 Corinthians is actually Paul's second letter to the city. A lot of people don't know this, but actually in 1 Corinthians 5, he refers to, in the letter I already sent you. Unfortunately, we don't have that letter. It doesn't exist. We don't know what was in it. and well, We can guess what was in it because of what he's talking about in this letter. But there was actually another letter that he had sent them. And from that, we can tell that he was dealing with the fact that they were, they were not behaving in ways that they should have. They were still acting immorally. They were still doing things that were inappropriate for a Christ follower. And so he started getting word back from others that nothing was changing. They were still misbehaving, still acting badly. And so this is why he sent this letter, the second letter, which we now refer to as 1 Corinthians, even though it was his second letter. So that's where we're at. And so from this this letter of 1 Corinthians, we know that there was significant relational division among the people. Uh, there was arguments, even lawsuits against each other. Paul talks about that. There was, they were spiritually immature. Lifestyle was a big deal. Immorality, there's in one part there where Paul even calls out, not by name, but calls out an individual saying that their behavior is, even the pagans don't do that. Um, and so it was really bad. And some of the things that were happening, he gives significant time in this letter to how they interact with one another. He talks about, even last week I mentioned, he talks about the Lord's Supper, about people who are misusing and abusing the communion time for their own selfish purposes and for their own needs. So that's a little context and a little backdrop for this passage we're going to read here from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. Uh, so if you have, I think we have on the screen, you can follow along. Yes, we do. So the body is a unit, though it's made up of many parts. And though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not be for that reason cease to be a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong, oh wait, I'm sorry. If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, 
I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment, but God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it. So that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Uh, Thank you, Father, for the the example that we have here in Scripture uh, from Paul and his communication with the church in Corinth. Father, uh, help us to see what was happening there, to better understand, uh, to learn from their example, but Lord, also to have a better sense of how uh, we might uh, think about ourselves here at Grace Covenant in Statesville. Uh, So, Father, for the next few moments, I ask for your Holy Spirit to continue to to speak to our hearts, and to speak to our minds as well. In Jesus' name, amen. So Paul's reference to the body here is a metaphor. Those of you who are familiar with grammar and English stuff, metaphor is when we, we talk about one thing to help explain another thing. So if, if I wanted to describe the texture of something, I said, man, this thing is as rough as sandpaper. Or the contrary would be, man, it's as smooth as glass. It's not sandpaper, it's not glass, it's, it's this using another illustration, something else we can picture and visualize to help explain what it is we're trying to say. And so that's what Paul was doing here. He's talking about the body of Christ, um, even actually using that word body, the, what he's talking about is that group, that group of people referring to them as a body to help make a bigger point. And that's really what a metaphor does. It has two different purposes. One purpose of a metaphor is to explain a present reality. This is the way things are. But because of the content of the letter, we know that that's not the case for this Paul's use of the word. We know that's not their present reality. So that leads us to the second reason why we use metaphors, and that's to present an an ideal. Here is a desired ideal that we would like to see us get to the way things should be. And so that's what clearly was Paul was, was talking about here. The fact is that people in Corinth were not acting like they were part of one body. They were fragmented. They were broken relationships. They were really a big mess as a group. They were a mess. That's why Paul's use of the body as a metaphor really is so profound here. Because you've got to remember that this group, the, 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 they had no context. They had no pre-understanding. None of them went to Sunday school growing up. They had never heard about, may not even, they had multiple gods. In, that, in the Greek, in the Roman world, there was the idea of, of a single god was a foreign concept for them. And so this idea of following one Jesus and then knowing how to then live together was a new concept for them. They didn't know that. And so when Paul is actually talking to them about a body, it was like, oh, okay, I get that. I understand that, that, you know, a toe can't just disengage itself. It's in a huff and leave, and all right, we need all of them. And yeah, so, so it helped him explain actually what the body of Christ was to be like. Prior to that, their default was just to revert to culture, which was selfishness and pride and arrogance and all those things that were coming out. And Paul was saying here is, listen, that's not going to work. You can't do that. You've got to stop that. 
We're in this together. And he was trying to say, everyone's needed. Everyone's needed. We can't just dismiss somebody because we don't like them or because they're different from us. We're all in this together. So he uses this metaphor to describe how the Christ followers in Corinth should think about themselves as a group. This is how we're supposed to be. This is what we're supposed to be like. Their faith in Jesus unites them in very, very profound ways. And then if there was any doubt, the verse actually comes right after the one we just just read. Paul ends this passage by saying, now you are the body of Christ and each of you is a part of it. So he makes that connection for them directly, talking about a body and the different parts. He says, no, 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 you are the body of Christ. Each and every one of you, you're a part of it. You're significant. Think about that. We are the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. So as I was reflecting, I said, what does that mean for us here in Statesville? What does that mean for us? And a few thoughts as I reflected on that. One of them is, and it's in your um, sermon outline there in your worship guides, is just as the human body has many parts, so the body of Christ is made up of many parts that function together. I'll be honest, I don't really see this as a big problem for our congregation. I think we get this. Um, and, and if I'm really honest, this whole sermon has been kind of a little challenging because I don't think this is something we struggle. So I'm talking, I think as we're talking about this, I, I'm talking just more about a, of a reaffirmation of what I think we're already doing as opposed to a challenge like, oh, we got to be better. There's always room for improvement, but I think, I think, I think we're doing okay. Every time we've put out a call for help for something, you've stepped up. I mean, we recently had All-Star Camp, our VBS program. We literally had more adults sign up than we had kids. Now, that says something. That says something about you as a group and your willingness to step into roles that are not normal for you, that are outside maybe your comfort zone, but you realize, oh, this is bigger than just me. This is part of us. This is what we're doing and the willingness to do that was really, really pretty cool. I just, I love that thing. Um, our, our ongoing project of trying to collect hygiene products for some of the homeless kids here in the Statesville School District. Um, again, just selfless acts of thinking about others more than yourself. Oh, and just as, as a note, uh, the other two campuses heard about this, and it says, we want to know more about this. And so I'm actually now trying to connect at a meeting with Tanya Reed, our social worker, so that the other campuses well can see what's going on here. So everyone realized, everyone has recognized this is significant, and uh, this could be something really pretty cool. <clears throat> a number of you stepped up to be part of the rotation uh, for our uh, children's ministry, um, serving in ways. Uh, they're on a, a rota- monthly rotation for our kids. Um, it takes an average of 21 people to make each Sunday morning service work. So when you look in this room, I mean, that's, that's a significant number of you are involved. And so the, we are not a church where we have a problem of people just sit in the back and don't want to do anything. All of you have just stepped us in. I'm, I can't do everything, but what I can, I'm happy to give and, and be a part of. And I'm just so incredibly grateful for that. Again, we're not perfect, but I really, really like the path we're on. I really do. Paul was saying that great things can happen when we work together. And I think we're seeing that. So that's my my first thought. My second thought is just as the human body has many unique parts, 
So in the body of Christ, every individual is created with unique abilities and every part is significant. For the church body, the body of Christ, to function properly, there has to be diversity. There has to be diversity. If we were all the same, it would just be a really, really sad place. The diversity is something that's so significant. Um, The the past couple months... um, I've been part of the Wednesday morning men's Bible study here at 6 a.m. And um, it's an ungodly hour, but we still meet uh, to go through the Bible. (laughs) (laughs) The alarm goes off and I get up and I go. Honestly, it's not for spiritual growth. I could sleep in an extra hour and still have my devotions at home. So it's not that. Um, I could do that. It's not for accountability. I'm part of an accountability group that some guys that I meet with. And so it's not that. You know why I do it? You know why I get up Wednesday? It's because I've come to, I've really come to enjoy hanging out with the guys that show up there. Some of the conversations we have and some of the comments, everyone around that table is really different. But each one of them has something unique to offer, different perspectives. We've created a few different heresies along the way. Um, but it's just really, I've just enjoyed the people being together just to share that time talking about scripture. It's the diversity that's significant. Everyone's important. Everyone's needed. And is that difference, I think that gives us life and it gives us um, just, I think, the, the, the vitality that comes within a body of Christ. Now, let's be honest. There's a negative aspect of this metaphor as well. Some of us look in the mirror and we see parts of our body we don't like. For some, we can easily change, whether it's our hairstyle or maybe the hair color. Other parts of our body present us with a lifelong battle. You know, either weight is an ongoing fight or maybe there's a disease that we've just learned to manage in order to get by the best way we can. And I think that's true for the body of Christ as well. I mean, not everyone's going to be your best friend. And some of us are really different, and that's okay. It doesn't mean we have to be best friends with everybody. But it's, it's, the, it's our love for Jesus that unites us. And when we surround ourselves around that, I think that's, that can overcome in any, so many other different relational types of conflicts and differences. And I think what's true for all of us is that we do what we have to do in order to function the best we can. And likewise, that's true for the body of Christ, that we do what we need to do in order to advance the cause of Christ, in order to advance the cause and purposes he has for this particular congregation. And then that leads me to my third thought. Just as the human body is healthy when every part is functioning, so it is with the body of Christ. I would like to think that all of you are better off because I'm part of your life. I know for a fact I'm better off because you're part of my life. I need you in my life. I love this term mutually dependent. It's not, not, not that one side is dependent on the other and that there's it's kind of this warped relational dynamic. It's this idea of mutual dependence where we both need each other and we're concerned about the other. And I think that's what we, what's, what 
hopefully we see in marriage relationships, but I think we see it in the body of Christ as well, where when we have conversations and there's interest and concern and care about what the other person thinks or needs at that particular time as well. I think it accurately describes the body of Christ. We need each other. We do. We need each other. We are better together. So what do you do if you're not connected then? Let's just say you've, you're recent, you've been coming here recently, and you, know, you really haven't connected yet, which, which is fine. There's, there's usually, it takes time, and I, and, and I get that. But let's just say maybe that you're trying to figure out, how do I find my place? And a few different action steps, some things to think about. One is that we've identified, or we've put down, is to identify your unique abilities. What are you good at? Um, I actually prefer this. What do you enjoy? Sometimes I'm good at something, but I don't necessarily enjoy it. You know what I mean? Um, And sometimes you do something at work all week long, and sometimes you'd like to change it up and do something different. So I, I actually would I actually lean more towards what's your passion? What are you, what are you, what are you excited to do? What, what do you like to do? And is there a place for you to use that gift and that passion within the body of Christ? Second thing you can do is to find your place to add value and strength <clears throat> to the body of Christ. Um, inside your worship guide was a card. And you can put your, uh, your contact information. But on the back, there's a lot of different ministry areas where, I mean, where, that, that you can serve. And so go ahead and take, if you have some thoughts now, some things maybe you're not even sure, but you're interested, you have some questions, you can check those boxes and then uh, hand it to one of us and out in the, the gathering place or at the, uh, the table that's out there. We'll collect those afterwards and we'll be follow up and have those conversations and see where it might be a good place for you. The third thing is an action step is choose to be a contributor, not just a consumer. We've talked about that uh, a number of times that when we come here to worship or we come here on Sunday mornings, we come to gather together and to be together because we enjoy each other. But we, behind it all is that we come here to worship God. It's about what we do for him, not so much what, did we like that third song? Really? Why did we sing that three times? And, you know, or really he kept saying the same thing. Oh, you know, it's not critiquing things because it makes us happy. It's more about what did we do to honor God that day? How did we honor God in the midst of that service? <clears throat> so again, stop by the table. Um, we're happy to have those conversations and talk and to uh, see how, where that might work. You know, what's, what's interesting, reflecting back in this letter that Paul wrote, again, remember, he, he, um, he visited them, and when he came back, he sent a letter. Um, it didn't work. He heard that they were not behaving, so he sent the second letter, which is actually 1 Corinthians. Um, it still didn't work. We actually know from 2 Corinthians that Paul actually uh, made a visit, another visit, a second visit. It's not recorded in Acts. But he, in 2 Corinthians, he talks about the time he came back to them again because they just weren't getting it. He'd had a personal visit, two different letters. He'd sent different people, and they just were really struggling. So he went out, and it says that he had a painful meeting is how he described it. A painful visit. And uh, so it was a come to Jesus meeting, I guess, where he just said, and laid it on the line. And we know from 2 Corinthians and the content that we've seen there that they finally began to get it because the tone is very different. They finally discovered that the significance in life comes from serving one another, not from being selfish and wanting things your own way. Serving one another is the key. <clears throat> 
May that always be true for the people of Grace Covenant Statesville. Let's pray. Father, this morning we've had a chance to, um, again, just to, to sing and lift our voices and worship. We've had a chance to give. We've had a chance to talk and share and, and laugh at some goofy videos. And um, Father, again, all of it is because of our love and, and our passion for you and our desire to live out our faith. And Father, even though our faith is incredibly personal, it was never meant to be individualistic. It was always intended to be lived in relationship with other Christ followers. So God, thank you for the people of Grace Covenant Statesville. Father, thank you for what you're building and developing here and that you've called us to be a part of it. And uh, Lord, our desire is to honor you in all that we say and do. Father, if there's anyone here who's feeling a little left out, I pray, God, that an extra dose of grace would be on them this morning. Father, that uh, maybe there's feelings that have been hurt or maybe things didn't set quite right. Father, I pray that you would heal that in the name of Jesus right now. And Father, maybe there's, as we're just sitting here reflecting, maybe, Father, someone comes to mind that maybe we weren't as gracious as we could have been and maybe we need to go back to them and ask for forgiveness and make sure that that relationship is right. Uh, Father, I pray that you would protect this congregation from those seeds of anger, from those seeds of strife and division, that they would not take root and that they would die quickly. Father, that your Holy Spirit would protect us as a congregation. So Father, we thank you again for this day. And Lord, as we leave this place, I ask, Father, that you would uh, continue to go before us and prepare the way. Father, that you give your people favor with uh, the tasks they put their hands to, with the relationships and the people they meet. Father, that each would be blessed this day, I pray. And it's in Jesus' name. Amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.